Uh, also, a couple cool things from the Game Awards, Baldur's Gate related, is that their CEO, he has a full set of plate armor that he wears to shows like this. <laughs> he has to ship it separately in like a crate. The the shipment was delayed and stuff and people oh, no. were freaking out. They're like, oh no, Sven's not going to have his armor. Yeah. <laughs> his, the community calls it his plus five charisma armor, um, <laughs> which is true because like you can see, you see him in the crack. Like, there's one dude wearing plate armor. <laughs> Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 445 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the miscellaneous programmer. I'm Sam, and I'm the not programmer. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is December 8th, 20 Jubilee. Before we get started, we have a warning. It's going to be... A couple of swear words in this show. See if you can spot them. It's like, where's Waldo? Or, where, where are they? Where the fuck is Waldo? It could be anywhere. You could try it. <laughs> the harder game might be seeing where you can not spot them. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Where, where, where aren't they? A forest for the trees. Sort can of you thing. find a sentence in this episode that doesn't have a swear word in it? Oh, no, it's tough. One. It's a tough one. You made it too easy. It's tough. Uh, also, we like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thanks for letting us grab your money. Okay. We got what? some stuff to talk about. Yeah, let's go. All right. Uh, first of all, the Game Awards happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we all both hoped and expected. Baldur's Gate 3 did pretty well for itself. Yeah, I've cleaned mm-hmm. up as it should. Um, I don't know if it won all of the awards because I didn't actually, you know, watch all of it, but I'm just going to assume it did. It. I read the Best- I, re- I read the full list of awards this morning because I also didn't watch the show. And it was the most boring list possible because it was like, hey, here's a whole bunch of franchises hey, remember those- that have been around for 20 years. That turn out something new every one to four years. Uh, Remember those games you played in the early 90s? Yeah, They're here's still the, here's around. the 20th one. <laughs> uh, so very boring. But it was, it was I think the, the least boring part of it was the fact that this, like, you know, new D&D-based RPG yeah. that really felt like it should have been a niche kind of a thing. Uh, we already knew that it kind of just you know, took over and actually it won people's hearts and minds, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see at least that bit of reality reflected in the game awards. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the only other part that was, uh, you know, is always a little annoying is that like the game awards is mainly for promotional purposes for new games. You yeah. Know? So the actual awarding part, they were actually, they were like a little more egregious about not giving people time, <laughs> time during yeah. the during the giving of awards, so like, well, they got to get those ads in. I mean, yeah. So that was like that was felt a little more dumb than a little rushed, normal. a little rushed. Um, yeah, but you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad Baldur's Gate swept as it should have, uh, and similarly was kind of bored by a lot of the nominations. But you know, it is what it is. There's only like thirty thousand games coming out. You know, mm-hmm. it's. <sighs> I mean, the fact that there is a best indie game, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's one. There's best indie game and there's like best mobile game, which is even actually wilder because almost all those are also indie, but there's <laughs> fuckloads of them, right? Uh, as we were like, like the last time we had numbers on it, which was a long time ago now, there were like, what is it, 5,000 games come out a week on mobile, on mobile. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so this is the thing that I wanted to talk about, about awards in general, which is why, what, like, what exactly are they and why they don't mean anything? Because in our, in our earlier days, it was, we, you know, we tried to submit our games, you know, Crashlands in particular, to all of the awards things that we could. And we actually we got, still do. Rec- we got some decent, re- and we still do, yeah. And we got yeah, some, we actually got some decent recognition. Uh, but it was one of those things where, like, we always we always felt like the recognition, though, was, like, actually meaningful, right, in the mm-hmm. earlier days, where we felt like if we got recognition, then that was good and confirmed that we were doing something really well. And if we didn't get it, then that was bad, and that implied that maybe we weren't do something, doing something yeah. really well. Because well, think about it this way: if you're if you're a judge at the Oscars, and there's like 50 movies that you need to consider, you can watch all of them. Yeah, they, it'll, t- it'll they take don't, you a while. I bet you anything they don't do. It. They don't. But and also like they can kind of watch them throughout the year as they're coming out, you know, whatever. So they might you know watch some to kind of catch up and try to make decisions because they're you know they have to judge things, right? What the fuck do you do? 
if you are judging the game awards and one of the games is Baldur's Gate, which takes a hundred hours, and which would be one game would take the same amount of time as every movie in the Oscars, yeah. right? Well, actually, which means that, that like the, like the judges can't actually lists. they can't play everything, right? Yeah. And that, that's so, sort of the thing where I think to Adam's point, the, the times where you submit for you know a festival or an award or whatever else and you're not selected, the problem is that it's simply not the case that being not selected means is essentially is a negative thing, if that makes sense. Like it doesn't necessarily yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean anything because there's there's actually so much happening in terms of the structural like setup of any particular award or festival that you are essentially trying to interact with that structure. Yeah. And how, whether that means, you know, we found out like one of our, uh, one of the awards that, that Crashlands was up for, we found out that the judges that day got all of the possible games downloaded onto a device. I think it was, they I just had a hundred, they had a collection of games. iPads in a room and all the judges came in. I think it was like two hours before they had to make a decision. Yes. Right? And they, so they had about they, two minutes per game. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and like that, that was for the original Crashlands, you know, which like yeah. which is a long form game. Yeah. You know? It's like, a 60 hour RPG. The first two minutes, you basically just just managed to crash. It's a little bit of tutorial, right? Yeah. That's that's the whole so, thing. And, and, and the and but the other thing was, too, is that we there were there was at least one judge in that group who actually had played Crashlands and knew about it. Yes. Right. And that person that we know would have been advocating for us. But what are we making a case, yeah. right? Because that's the other thing too. It's like this is like a jury, right? Where like it's not about the truth, right? It's about yeah. it's about what you actually saw, which is uh, some fraction of reality, right? How it was interpreted, which is not really necessarily connected to reality, and then the and basically the politics of people arguing about stuff, right? <laughs> and <Yep>. so that's <laughs> or even the politics of like I, I was looking at the the list and it's like Baldur's Gate to me. For everything it was nominated in, like, I mean, it kind of just, to me, it wins across the board. Like, it, it didn't win Best Narrative, which is wild to me. And I get that, like, Alan Wake is cool shit. I get it. But, like, it didn't win Best Narrative, which That's is- That's because Baldur's Gate has so many narratives, you know? But this is- well, But, also, but yeah. one of those narratives must be the best. I mean. I'm getting, it's like, <laughs> you can't, because, again, the politicking thing. It's yeah, like, they're, they're not actually, it's like, they're not comparable. You can't compare yeah. Alan Wake's narrative to Baldur's Gate. Well, but it's also the point that, like, if Alan Wick didn't win that, then What's and also didn't win? win the game of the year, then it wouldn't necessarily win anything. Yeah, so and they, they, and they you needed do to this give whole, it to like, Alan little, Wick. Yeah, because because it was great. Yeah, it was good. But well, you know, not, like, not just because it's good, but also because all of these events need to support themselves into the future, right? And their their money comes from advertising, right? That's yeah, where large companies give them fuckloads of cash to have their logos appear on things and all this kind of stuff, right? And of course, those same large companies are the ones producing the games that show up in the awards and all this kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and this isn't like tinfoil hat stuff either, right? Because there's, this is just literally how it works. It's just, oh yeah, yeah. It's just how it works. Uh, And and they're just like with anything else, there are going to be people who are doing their best to like accurately pick what they really think is the best game. There's going to be people who are trying to ensure the future of that, whatever that award is, right? And trying to pick based on the money kind of situation. And a lot of the fights and decisions are going to be going along those lines. In the same way that when you watch like a reality TV show, behind the scenes, the producers are trying to figure out who to make look bad and who to make look good. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> it's the same kind of stuff, and which is the, the main thing I wanted to have as a takeaway is just like, it's a good time to just to talk about the fact that awards are really disconnected from the truth about the quality of a game, how it yep. was received, um, and that kind of thing. And even if it wasn't, you can't compare games to each other unless they're basically clones, right? Like it's not yeah. the whole Apple's oh, yeah. well, well, thing. Like you, really that, you but, can't. And we've had a, a lot of events too where like in the past we've gone to conventions or conferences um, and, and shown – shown our game or submitted our game to, to awards at that convention. And in some other cases, there would be games that, that show really well on a convention floor, typically like, Mm -hmm. like same screen co-op, uh, sort of controller games that are more action heavy that you can kind of just jump right into. It was like rowdy as hell in a convention. Yeah. Course, Cause so. like they, they can, they can attract a crowd. And like, if you're tra- if you're at the convention with a, with a friend or multiple friends that you can all play the game together and you're making lots of noise. And it's like, clearly people are having a great time with it versus if you sit down to play a more like story focused single player game, you know, you're putting on headphones, you know, and you're just like it quietly enjoying. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when, when uh, judges from the convention walk around to see, 
oh, like what games are, are people really into? What's looking really fun and interesting? They're always going to gravitate toward the the couch co-op action games in these yep. conventions. Uh, but then those games had really struggle in the actual market because yeah, yeah, couch game. co-op action games, you, you uh, need a couch. It's sort you, of the inverse need, of a convention floor, right? It's, you're yeah, not there when, with friends. You're yeah, there when you're at yourself, your house you know. by yourself, you know, yeah. it's yeah, it's the opposite. Yeah, yeah so well, it's that's like, another thing is – it's, it's like with it when you're dealing with – because it's kind of a general data problem, right? It's like if, if you it's see a data point in a vacuum, you you need the full context of how that data was generated to be able to interpret it, right? And it's the same deal with with, a, with an award. So like if when you see a frankly absurdist label like best indie game, right? Best uh, mobile game. It's, you got to <laughs> imagine there's like an asterisk there, right? And then, it, and then underneath you would say like – According to a panel of nameless judges with unknown incentives who looked at an unknown fraction, fraction. Of, yes. all, of the games that could have been considered for this award, right? And each game they looked at, they looked at for seven minutes. Yeah, and you know, in, like, okay. in a noisy, <laughs> rushed context using a form factor that may or may not have been appropriate for the game, et cetera, right? Like that's what so it, it, it starts just, to lose its luster. Well, yeah. What I get out here, though, is that it's actually that I don't think it necessarily loses its luster. I think it's just one of those things where it's like, because here's the thing, it's still, it still is you know, useful one to have awards in your belt because they allow you to, to Yeah, because it's part of the game, game that you're playing. It's part of the game, right? But when um, you're trying to sell games, awards, point at it. awards yeah. do things that can help you, right? Yeah. But it the is part you have to understand cool is that it's, it's, a, it's still a game, though, that you're playing. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's the thing. It's not necessarily, it's not that it's meaningless. It's just that it has its own structure that you are yeah. talking to in order to get those awards right and so it's still like it still is a big honor if you win one of these things yeah of course to be nominated amazing um but the reality then too of being nominated or not is just that you have to recognize that it's not it's not just the game that is being contended with in that context it's a it's a bajillion i would, you know, I would think things. about it like a covid test mm. which i'm thinking about because you know if they're about COVID lately. <laughs> yeah. uh, when you take a covid test if it shows up positive it's very very likely yeah, you almost did have covid if it shows right. up negative you just don't you might know. you might yeah. or you may or may not have covid right? <laughs> so like <laughs> like if you win true. an award in one of these shows you probably have something real good on your hands yeah, so yeah. in that's some industry, in yeah. some way yeah. that is, right? it's like, not necessarily literally the best cuz again that's just, that's a it's a hard, meaningless a concept there cuz it's something you can't possibly just it's a useful concept i would say right. but right. not true but if yeah, you don't win an award, who the fuck knows what that means? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah. And, that's, yeah. and so, that was that. Like that was the thing we had to kind of learn early on was that that was disappointing when like it was awesome to be nominated and we were like looking at our competition. We'd be like, actually, we think like we might be able to get on top of this list, you know. Mm -hmm. And then most of the time to not. I actually think always to not. We never got on the top of any list. I think we were always runner like, up, baby. We're we got we got so many runner ups. Which which is again like a really. Per Solid acknowledgement of the thing yeah. that we did, actually, right? But it was yeah, still well, honestly, hard not to be like, oh, but that means we would, we didn't have the best game. It's like, that's not what that means. That's not, yep. That isn't what that means, right? Uh, it means we had a really good game, probably, mm -hmm. compared to the other ones that people were thinking about it looking at, which is part of what makes it good, because people were thinking mm -hmm. about it and looking at it, right? Uh, yeah. But let's kind of... And some, sometimes yeah. we got second place to games that did not do well in the market. And then other times we got second place to Pokemon Go, which did yeah. okay for itself. I heard right? that. <laughs> so, that, was, yeah. that, was the, that was the one scenario where I was... I was you were both, like, fair. <laughs> I was really... Because that was... That was which, uh, which award was that? that? Was that dice. Was, the so dice. The dice was, award. Yeah, the dice. Game of the Year for yeah, Dice. Yeah, Game of the Year for Dice. 17, I think. Yeah, because that one, I was surprised that we were in that list. I mean, like, me too. I was surprised we were people. in there. And yeah. then the fact I personally that we got thought Crashlands was one of the best mobile games, period, right? Um, but it was still surprising to be in that list. And then with the company we were with was it was pretty Pokemon cool. Go. I think it was like an ink. There's an Angry Birds game too, I think. I think, I think there was also was like in that Mario, that Mario game, I think was also in there. The one where you like just Super Mario, uh, Run, Mario Run, Super Mario Run or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we saw the list. We were like, clearly we're not going to fucking win that, but thanks. Yeah. You know, I mean, thanks for the nominee. Yeah. But it was just, it was cool just to be nominated on that one. Right. Um, yeah. Which again, and also like not being nominated, that doesn't really mean anything. No, <laughs> no it doesn't. And being nominated doesn't mean you're literally the best game, right? Yeah. Because I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident that out of the whatever 600,000 games that came out in 2016, there were 
a lot of games better than Crashlands. Oh, yeah. For a lot of people, you know, (laughs) or for a different context. Games are very different, you know, apples and oranges. But uh, anyways, so Game Awards. They're non-fungible tokens. Mm -hmm. uh, Also, a couple cool things from the Game Awards, Baldur's Gate related, Mm -hmm. is that their CEO, he has a full set of plate armor that he wears to shows like this. He has to ship it separately in like a crate because it's super fucking heavy. I'd say you probably know? 60 pounds or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he shipped it. He had to ship it to Vegas or wherever the, the show was. And he was he was tweeting because there was the, the shipment was delayed and stuff and people oh, yeah. were freaking out. They're like, oh no, Sven's not gonna have his armor. <laughs> his, the community calls it his plus five charisma armor, um, <laughs> which is true because like you can see, you see him in the crack. There's one dude wearing plate armor, <laughs> and they put him on the edge on the aisle, so like you can see him when people are walking down the aisle. He's just there, like happily, like smiling and clapping for everybody. They, I wonder if they uh, like also have to for like fire code kinds of reasons. And probably, probably oh, yeah. like there's probably He's not somebody a part of the fire code plate. that specifically addresses if people are wearing plate armor, but. <laughs> Because like they there's, there's always a fire marshal that like comes to yes, these we things and staff, makes sure it's fine, right? Yep. And so they probably like saw this guy in plate, but they were like, "This guy cannot be in the middle of a row of things. Like he's got to be." <laughs> <laughs> well, if anything, he should be in the middle because if he's in full plate, he can be the last guy out. Because if a building falls on him, you know, he's got but a higher But if the building is on living. fire, then he's going to get mm. baked so fast, you know, because like that's It's conductive. plus charisma, not plus fire resistance. That's, that's true. He needs to, <laughs> needs to get, some, get, some, get some asbestos in there, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then the other kind of cool thing was that uh, as, as Baldur's Gate 3 was winning the community award for like best – community engagement and stuff, community support. Uh, As they're winning that award, they released a hotfix patch to fix some bugs. Yeah, what a move. (laughs) I got to say, of of all the studios that that were listed this year, I think we talk about DevOps, we talk about constant delivery. You take a look at those patch notes from... Even if you don't play Baller's Gate. Yeah, you don't play Baller's Gate. I don't care if you play it. Just look at that list because it's like, they'll put out a fucking patch after a week or two of the most recent one that has like 200 things in it. And I'm just like, Yes. Yeah, I put it this yes. way. Like, so I've, I've been playing WoW since 2004, and WoW has a patch that comes out with patch notes um, about every six months or so with like a major patch. And I can read through those patch notes in five minutes, get a pretty good sense of all the things, all the things that are changing in just like five minutes. Uh, and that's what this was with Blizzard taking like six months to work on this patch. Right. And yeah, yeah, Larian will release a patch like in a three-week window. And I will need to like take six naps while reading the patch notes because it's so much shit that they're putting into this game that I just can't get, I can't get to the end of it. And also there's so much stuff in the patch notes about things in the game that I still have not seen yet, (laughs) even though I've played for like 400 hours. So I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. (laughs) I think that's to me the most, the most impressive thing about, about that game is actually this, just this delivery cadence that they're on. The quality of the delivery is just kind of crazy and there was a few weeks back where they yeah they hot fixed something and, and ended up kind of breaking something else but it ended up being one of those things that we talked a lot about doing QA and trying to cover all bases and stuff but also how the more complex a game gets the harder it is to know really that you didn't yeah, break some shit just, and they had like, like you'll be like I made a surgical change that affects this system and then you check that system and it's fine and then it turns out five other things that you didn't even realize were related suddenly misbehave yeah it's just yeah. Yep. It's so just it was the first time that they, they put out a patch and like broke some stuff in a kind of a big way. And I was like, oh man, maybe their shit isn't that good. But it turns out the reason was so strange and invisible that like, how essentially you needed to have, you needed to have like 40 hours of gameplay in the game after this change came out before you would start to see the, the, the bugs mm-hmm. that it created. And it's yeah. like, there, there's no way that their QA would have QA like for that, yeah. installed the patch, started a new save, and then just played for 40 hours in one save. Like, which is like, yeah. They don't have enough time. I guess they like, literally there's not time. just goes yeah. so fast. Yeah. I don't even know. Well, this is one of those reasons why for, for games in particular, because of how they're experienced, which is in these really dynamic, combinatorially complex ways, especially games that are open world, right? Where the the state, like the full state of the game, all the, the value of all the variables and so on, right? Between any two players at any point in time, 
it's just basically random. Like they're just completely disconnected, right? Is that these are, you can't test that. It's literally not possible. You cannot QA the whole every place. possible situation that a player yeah. could find themselves into. It's, it's time impossible. There's no way. So this is where you have to be, this is where your processes have to be really good and where your focus has to be on, it's, it's called shift left, right? As in, if you're thinking of a workflow moving from left to right, you make sure that the work that you're doing on the left side of that, that generates the bugs is just as Airtime's unlikely as possible to generate bugs in the first place because your ability to catch them keeps going down over time, yes. right? And, and we're already dealing with this with Crashlands 2 as a significantly smaller game than... yeah. I mean, the first zone, uh, I think it's like probably between, depending on the player, a 12, 20 hour thing, you know, it's like 50 to 100% larger than uh, the first, the first game's kind of first uh, zone. And just, yeah, in that space, you know, we've, we've tried to shift everything to the left now where even on the narrative side, you know, Jen's working on quests or whatever else and she has to go play them and test them, you know, physically herself before sending them downstream before QA. So you at least like, if you do something, you got to go be like, do that little bit of testing and be like, does this actually do what I thought it would do? Even on the art side, it's the same now with the game changer where you don't just make stuff and send it to someone else to put in. You make it, you put it in, you check it, run into it with Flux's body, see if you hit it correctly. Like, because the sh- just sheer amount of like chaos coming well, out of this thing as the hours go further in gameplay just is too much. It's yeah, and it's a control thing, which is like uh, if you if you just make a change and just send it to QA, flip a coin, it may work, it may not work. Right. If it doesn't work, it will come back to you. And yes. now you have to stop whatever you are now doing and go fix that bug and then return to what you're doing, which now you have an increased chance of making new bugs in the thing that you're working on because you had to stop working on it, change mm-hmm. context, come back, merge changes in, blah, blah, blah. Right. So it's kind of like find the bugs as you produce them, fix them as you produce them. And then QA is there to find stuff that you couldn't find. Yeah. Right. Like time sensitive, time intensive. Yeah. Things QA is supposed to be so. like, and I think it's kind of interesting. Like people treat QA as like, oh, their job is to find and report the issues so that we fix them. Like it's kind of like the end of the thought, right? But what they actually are is the safety net that reveals production problems, right? <laughs> Where they reveal they reveal programming failures, or, yeah, 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 <laughs> or, yeah, development problems, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, so basically, every time a every time a bug slips through and QA catches it, that's one of those like, oh, this is an opportunity now for on the dev side to figure out like, mm-hmm. is there a hole upstream? Yeah. What is there something about this that I can treat as like a class of problem, right? So I can prevent this kind of thing from happening again. Does this teach? Does this tell me something about what I'm doing? And this is also why when you have games that are under really aggressive crunch, they have really buggy, unstable outcomes, right? Because they don't have the time to like think about what they're doing based on what QA is telling them, right? And yeah, they're producing code and features as fast as possible. And then QA is overwhelmed, so they're not catching everything anyway. But even if they weren't, it wouldn't matter because dev mm-hmm. is not actually keeping up with QA, right? Uh, and this is also why you get those hostile relationships because everybody starts blaming everybody for things being broken, right? Um, and dev gets mad at QA for just reporting things, being like, hey, this is broken, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, because dev, dev is looking at their mandate as we add features to the game. QA keeps keeping keeps preventing us from doing that yeah. by sending us all these bugs. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, you made them. Man, Hit pause for a second. Stop <laughs> add, jamming things in. Fix the because the other problem is if you keep adding features to a buggy game, then the new features typically uh, are built on top of the bugs or yeah. work around. It gets harder and harder to actually fix anything. Everything gets yeah. contorted as yeah. development goes further. Yeah. If you're not doing this right, try get it to fit in the place where it's bouncing on top of these three other bugs that are still there and skirting this one, and you know, and then mm-hmm. producing some of its own. And it's like, oh my god. And the whole the whole house of cards will will it collapse will in spectacular cyberpunk fashion, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a case uh, study, you know. Yeah. All right. Now, something else I want to talk about mm. today is Google Gemini. What about it? What okay. is it? So, as, as we we haven't talked too much about AI stuff because things have been just kind of humming along in the AI world, progressing as expected. Um, I think GPT, ChatGPT4 came out in like May or something. It was quite a while ago. It was like seven or eight months ago. I think they've got Um, their 4.5 now, don't they? So the way that they do is they have like Turbo. Yeah, then they have the Turbo release, which is like a, it's supposed to have be the same like quality wise, but is somehow optimized. 
optimized and it's also a lot cheaper if you're using their APIs. Yeah, which is, you know, so which is I think it's a pretty good model, which is kind of like prototype the 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 next level of the thing, get it working really well, uh, release it in a limited way to get feedback on it and then optimize it and make it make it better while you have a team working on the next generation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's a pretty good strategy. And one of the things that's kind of become evident is that like op- open AI was first, first to the, to the post, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they kicked this whole thing off and everybody else in the tech world just instantly started shitting their pants. and was trying to figure out how to catch up mm-hmm. all the big players. Microsoft was like, all right. And they just bought, they just bought open AI basically. It's like, okay, there we're, we're caught up. up. Microsoft is caught up. We're good. Which Google's honestly now- was the best move. Cause like, <laughs> cause catching up in this kind of a space is very hard to do. It's very hard, yeah, because of course like AI is a thing that makes like if if you have a good AI, then it should make development of all things Faster. easier, which we're seeing with like Copilot that we use all the time now, right? And so it stands to reason that if open AI is using their own AI internally to help them develop AI, which they I would assume they are, <laughs> um, then they're going to be on this kind of like exponential curve that you know even if even if Google say was behind by a week, they they might as well just be behind by ten years because they just they cannot they cannot catch up the unless they do some kind of a breakthrough. Is, you know, is actually the training data. Um, more so because because like, because AI is one of those weird things where like it doesn't really remember the stuff that the stuff that that these AI models are really good at is stuff that's statistically likely. In fact, that's what it can do. Right. Yeah. So it's it's actually really bad if you're working at bleeding edges of things because you're doing stuff for the first time. There's not there's not good representation in your data set right to mm-hmm. to make those things for you. But the at least that is when when I've read people talking about like what's hard about them competing, right? It's mostly about training sets because you have to be willing to steal first, right? And just ignore copyright law. Yeah. Uh, which if you're Google, no problem. And then you have to next, have next problem. <laughs> and then you have to have an incredible scale, like just an, an absurd scale. And then you have to be willing to exploit people to pay them as little as you can in, in countries where you can get away with that. Right. To have them review that material so you can have some control over the content that's going into your training quality. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, and you have to say to be willing and able to do all of these things, and it's extremely expensive. Like Yeah, it's expensive on all fronts. I mean, yeah, just it's expensive. Yeah, even even when you're using exploitation as one of your core mechanisms of stealing yeah, yeah, of intellectual yeah. property and exploiting labor, right? Even when yeah. you're doing and both a- of those things, it's still so fucking expensive. Mm-hmm. And and so that's really I think the so like actually I just saw today that Meta released Meta slash Facebook uh, released their own image model yeah. oh. that was trained on all Instagram photos, <laughs> so uh, which are already ooh. heavily filtered. So who the fuck knows what that's gonna? So who knows? But it, turn but, out but it does. But they're just and of course since it's from their own platform, they just already have the rights to do that. So they didn't they even technically it. steal it. But I bet you anything, nobody feels good about this. Who's posting pictures? Artists of in particular are going to be very mad about that. Yeah. A lot of artists use most artists, you know, who are working digitally nowadays. Like yep. it's, it's one of their core platforms. Yep. And, and yeah. tattoo artists and yeah. Like Yeah. So, so like all these all these companies, they have no qualms about doing this stuff. And they they are doing it, right? But mm-hmm. but the the problem is this is this like f- first mover problem where like because OpenAI is ahead, like they released GPT four eight months ago. They've been working on the next generation thing this this whole time. Right. Yeah. So Google has like been trying to present themselves and also like I kind of feel in a weird way I feel bad for Google because they actually released the white paper in 2017 that sort of like kicked off this whole thing mm. about how like how to construct how to L- LLMs and how to train them using neural networks and blah, blah blah and like OpenAI like based all their stuff off of Google's initial research Google was doing a bunch of stuff internally but they didn't really foresee this like arms race happening. Yeah, of course. And suddenly it did. And now Google's scrambling to try to not look like they were kind of caught with oh, their pants down or whatever, whatever the saying is. So, so like Google uh, announced Bard maybe like, well, it was like a, a couple months after mm-hmm. ChatGPT first kind of appeared. Yeah. And everybody was like, well, what the fuck is this? Because, you know, it was like limited in a whole bunch of ways and it was kind of unreliable or it was like, 
in, just wasn't in, as good. In, in some ways, it was like it was as good as, as ChatGPT, and in other ways, it, it wasn't, right? And it also wasn't really integrated with with other Google. It was just very much like a look, we have one too kind yeah. of a yeah, that announcement. Was the um, Which is a lot of the so, vibe right now for AI in general, I think. Is, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, just, hey, hey, we got it. Yeah, no, yeah. There's there's open AI's stuff, and then everybody else is like, we we have that too. We have one at home, you know. Mm-hmm. And so Google once again came out, and they're like, okay, this is the thing. We finally have a, a powerful AI. So so I think it was just yesterday or a couple of days ago, um, they announced Google's Gemini mm-hmm. AI, which they did this tech demo. And as I was watching the tech demo, I was like, no way. Yeah, I don't believe no, it. No fucking way. Because they, basically their, their framing was that existing AI models have a problem with multimodality, which means interpreting different types of information and communicating using different types of information. Right. So, Image, audio, text. Right. Know. So if you think about like – so ChatGPT, for example, has a voice chat option where like on the which mobile device. Which is brand device, new, but yeah. It's, it's pretty new. It's also cool. Have you guys tried that? I've, I've tried it. it. It's very cool. It's but the problem snappy. is, the cool. problem is, it actually is not multimodal. It's not it, voice. It's, it's still text, text based. Yeah. 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 So, so it's like you speak, it captures your audio, turns that into text, feeds that to using, ChatGPT. Using one AI model, right? That basically yeah. converts. Yeah. So it, yeah. So it feeds it to ChatGPT as a prompt, then ChatGPT responds as it normally would, and then that text gets sent to a Another voice, AI a, a, a text to voice AI model. Yeah. yeah speaks it and it comes back to you, right? So, so there's all these- Which isn't kids. inherently bad, right? Because this is also how human brain works, right? You don't use the same part of your brain to talk and to read, right? It's, it's, well, it's true, but I was like, but the, the crosstalk is important because like the, what this means is that it's, if it's converting a voiced conversation just into text, you are missing, that's very lossy, right? In the sense that you're not reading intonation the whole time. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's there's none of that stuff happening. Yeah. to inform what is being said without being said textually. Yeah. Right? And, and of course, it, it, it feels very unnatural because if you're talking to somebody, they can figure out when you're wrapping up a thought based on tone of voice, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's converting to text, like if you ever had this problem when talking to Siri or, you know, whatever, it's like you'll have, you, you, have to, <laughs> you have to speak like you like you have are reading a paragraph and yeah. then you stop and pause at the end and then the AI yeah. is like okay I think you're done now because of silence yeah. it's the main reason right? I, like I barely use Google assistant uh, like I use it for the really easy stuff like setting alarms and that kind of thing right but there was but I was like because I was looking at like because I wanted to use it for Todoist because that's my main to-do app you know to be able to say yeah, like, yeah. hey I don't think but to be able to get it to be able to pull up Todoist in the first place tell it to add something and then specify where to add it collectively requires like a super specific incantation, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have to say it, you have to enunciate it very clearly. You have to know that it's listening to you when you start you're casting talking. a spell. You know what I mean? You're casting like, a you spell. Gotta, you yeah. got to memorize the fucking spell, right? You can't mm-hmm. do it. And, and the, if you stop because you're trying to remember. Then it takes half of your input. Yeah, it takes so, half of your input. Yeah. And now you got a, now you got a broken to-do entry that you got to go manually fix, which is worse than just having not done that in the first place. Yeah. So in other words, you can't, communicate with this thing naturally using your natural speaking voice. Yes. You have to you have to be very cognizant of I'm talking to an AI who's turning my words into text and I have to speak in a totally different way, which is very hard for people and therefore like this kind of thing still like people will play with it and they're like, oh okay, but then they won't really use it for anything. Right. There's a gap. So so what Google is coming out and saying with Gemini is like, this is a problem. All these other AI models, um, they claim to be multimodal. But actually, they've just sort of duct taped a bunch of different AIs together that are losing a ton of information and blah, blah, blah. So they said, we came up with a whole new concept that we call Gemini, which is multimodal from the ground up. And it's trained on all these different ways of communicating via one model model, somehow. Of course, like they just just represent this with like abstracted pictures. So I can just know actual like details on how exactly they did that, right? Um, but then, so then they're doing this demo and in the demo, it's like a real, it's like real time. So this dude is like drawing, he's drawing a picture and he like, he's like, tell me what you see, Gemini. And he like draws, he starts drawing and Gemini in real time is like, I see a squiggly line. And then he like keeps going and then it's like, I see a, a bird, you know? And then he like puts some water in the background. It's like, oh, now it's a duck. And then he starts coloring it and Gemini is like, it's a blue duck. So it's it's like it's like Gemini is watching this person and, and commentating on it in real time, right? Mm-hmm. 
So, and then they, and then they, you know, Google's like, yep. So this is our multimodal model. It can like see pictures. It can, it can talk to you. It can do all this stuff. Uh, it can give, it can produce video and audio and images. And it can like, like, like they drew a picture of a guitar, you know, they're like, what kind of music should this make? And then Gemini's like, how about this? And then it just like invents a rock song, you know, again, mm. in real time. So then so this is the uh, dream, right? This is, the, this this is, is what the they showed in their tech demo. So then, then they revealed uh, kind of like the how it's going to roll out, and they said there's three versions of this model. There's the uh, the the ultra model, which is the it's most powerful one, rate. but you got to like pay for it basically, enterprise level. And then there's like a, a plus one, which is more like the current ChatGPT uh, plus subscription. It's like you yes for everyday users, but who still want to use like a, a fairly powerful model. So it's kind of scaled down and not quite as capable. And then there's the, I think they called it like the nano model or something like that, which yeah. is like a That's local long device. About. Yeah, because it's basically they scale the model down and make it efficient enough that it can run on your phone. And this is this is this is a big promise of the Pixel phones, anyways. And part of the reason why I mean I got one recently, I, I switched off, but my phone ran up on yep. whatever it's time, whatever, um, was because they're intent on integrating AI into that device to, and which in my mind is mainly to, to add to the point to solve a bunch of these things that I still find very annoying. That would be great if I could just talk to the damn thing and make it do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so nano basically is a, is a, an offline thing, an offline model, but then lives on the device and is supposed to be able to help you with stuff in that context. Yeah. yeah. And then they also revealed a bunch of benchmarks. We we're talking about like, Oh yeah, our ultra model, you know, outperforms GPT four in all these different metrics. Right. Are those shared um, metrics? Are those metrics that there's a bunch the of publicly teams? available tests okay. that AI models can like run so, again, the thing about talk benchmarks about awards. though, yeah, benchmarks <laughs> are I'm missing this a lot. This is unrelated except for the idea of benchmarks, but in the in the JavaScript sort of ecosystem, there are all these new competitors to Node.js, which is the server-side version of JavaScript, right? So there's these new competitors, one's called Node and one's called or sorry, one's called Dino and one's called Bun. And they're all new to the scene, and like, but the main things that they're touting at the at the beginning uh, were basically like, look at look at how we compare on all these performance benchmarks against Node, right? But then when you go like talk to the people who understand what's going on and the nuances, they're like, well, yeah, because Node is doing these hundred things that these ones aren't doing. So of course they're mm. fast, right? They're literally not doing most of. They the don't things. have any features, <laughs> and, uh, and, and and so. Which is all to say, when anytime you're looking at benchmarks, it's, it's kind of like really hard, thing, right? Yeah, it's not. It's like it's it's just a lens. It may not. It's be a good truth. indicator, right? That it tells you something, but it, it doesn't you tell you definitely that this thing is like actually better, and certainly not across any metrics that are not being described. Yeah. Yes. So so here's the problem. What people kind of figured out now is that well, for starters. There are a whole shit ton of tests and benchmarks that Gemini actually does not outperform GPT four on, which yep. again is eight months old at this point. They just, you know, didn't mention those benchmarks in their presentation. That's always how benchmarks work. Yep. Uh, mm. On top of that, the ultra version isn't even available and they don't actually have a release date for it. I thought it was so, coming out in like a week or two, isn't it? December, middle December? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't think well, so. I think it's coming to, you're getting it on phones. It's coming. Yeah, but not, you're not getting the ultra. The ultra one is the one that they claimed to be like demoing and it, like the, oh, all the I benchmarks see. were based off of, which is the, the, the big one, right? Oh, but no one gets uh, to see it for some No one can use it. Time. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, um, the video they showed was completely fake. None of the, the model is not capable of what? any of the things they showed in the video in the sense that, that what they actually did was they, in, behind the scenes, they were like, they recorded the video. But then they they took pick they took snapshots of the video, and fed them into the model and gave it a text prompt where they explained where they would ask it stuff about the pictures from the is video. Is that for real? Is it like then they and then they converted this because that's like yeah. There's a bunch of articles about where people figured out and like the, the Google themselves have said like yeah here's how we made this video, thinking people would be like wow and some people like wait what the fuck like. <laughs> What? So, because like, yeah. there's because so, like, there's marketing and then there's lies. We have this discussion a lot on the podcast, right? Like, yep, yep. It, yeah, that's the that's point that it's lie. impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible to successfully market a thing and be fully honest about it, right? Because it's well, things it's are not marketable. Small lens, it's, it's, it's yeah. all lossy. 
Yeah, because yeah, you're trying to explain something in a way that gets it to the right audience uh, over some constricted media over some short amount of time, and it's non-experiential, right? Mm-hmm. So marketing always has to be somewhat removed from yeah. the full truth, right? It has I refer to, to it as lossy. You could call it lies if you'd like. Yeah, whatever. And I, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. And I, well, because I, I think it's about like how lossy is it? Because it can once it gets lossy enough, like you're in full-on lying territory, right? Well, I was gonna say, say yeah. Sometimes it actually you're not doing lossy shit. You're just you are just lying. This was presented as this was presented as let's take a look at Gemini. Yeah, yeah. a real time model we go. that could do that. That's yeah. It. And I and I was watching it and I was like, so is this thing somehow intaking webcam footage Must and like be. in real time processing it? Because I was like, wow, that's that's like in, that's an insane leap. Yeah, and capabilities, huge. you know. Yeah, no, nope. Google on the map, you know. Yeah, yeah. and of course, what ultimately what it was doing is just like Chat, Chat GPT can can do all these things, which is like you give it a picture, you ask it stuff about the picture, it, it says stuff about the picture, mm-hmm. right? And that's basically what ultimately what they did with with Gemini. Uh, so they're catching some flack. For that, I but bet. also, you know, they're they're uh, they're unveiling this thing, basically lying about its capabilities. Its true capabilities are essentially at or around where where OpenAI was eight months ago, mm. right? And they still don't Which have. To a, be a, fair, a full it's pretty fast it. catching up, given. Yeah, you know it's I mean? doing like, pretty good. Like, yeah, you'd want it to be actually caught up, but the fact that they caught up to OpenAI in eight months, or I guess to where OpenAI was eight months ago, uh, is an impressive feat because they are is. way ahead. I yeah. think the problem here, though, is that to your point, Seth, is that like it's a presentation issue, which is it's one thing to be like, hey, we're super more or less catching up and we're doing this cool thing where we're like downsizing the model and putting it on your phone. That's actually like I can get excited about that, right? That's yeah. Cool. yeah. If they had just shown that, I'd be like, nice, I'll check it out. But as soon as you start doing this weird, like kind of just lying about shit, it actually makes the whole thing start looking more flimsy where you're like, but yeah. well, it makes you, you don't know what to expect. Because to, yeah. to, basically they're, they're trying to become like first bit AI, right? Yeah. And their effort. And so instead of just being like, okay, well, we're going to play catch up and do it aggressively. Right. Where then they could just be honest the whole time and be like, here's where we're at. And the whole time everybody'd be like, they'd be like, we know this isn't good enough yet. And everybody who uses it will be like, yep, it's not good enough yet. Right. But if they were doing that, then I would just be like, oh, cool. So I can kind of see how fast they're catching up. And now that's really interesting. They have, they have touch points where OpenAI does not. Like, again, the idea of just saying, like, hey, we're downsizing the model and it's just going to be on Pixel phones yeah. is cool as fuck. Or fucking so cool. if they if it was in Google, if it was in your Google Drive, you know. Yeah, they'd like, they like, do that with Bard, but like to hardly, it doesn't like fucking do anything. It doesn't work on almost anything. I was like, hey, yeah. what's happening in my calendar next week? It was like, I can't see your calendar. And I was like, what the fuck can you do, Bard? Because I was told yeah. you could do some stuff. And it was like, yeah, well, yeah, sure this, this is the problem is, is Google doesn't have to have a better AI. Than they don't. Yeah, they, they just don't. have to have one that's hooked into Google stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because if it was like 10% worse than, than ChatGPT, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> yeah. But it was on your uh, fucking phone. But, it, but it's like hooked in everything. I'd, I'd, I'd go for it. Exactly. If it was, yeah. If it know? was GPT 3 level. But, yeah. But on, on stuff that yeah, you but, use. Yeah. But had yeah. access to my information, which, you know, that, that has its own set of unknowns and issues, of course. Right. But in terms of the functionality that I would want, like I want integration. That's what I want. I want, I like, I have fuckloads of stuff. I have, I have to interact with things. I've already bought in wholly into the Google ecosystem. So if they could just use it there, you know, but, but it's, you, I think Google is so like their products are so fucking disconnected, you know, that I think this is like, that's, that's true that I just don't really even see them. And it, like, it's weird because I, I feel like it's even on their radar to be like, oh yeah, we should be like what people really would like give us money for, you know, would be. But they've announced, really they've announced stuff. these things. Like when they, when they announced, yeah, when they announced Bard, they showed videos of Bard working through your Google drive and like. And it does, it can do some stuff, but the problem is like, it, how to put it, the, the constraints it has are, are hard enough edge. It's like the talking to AI thing where it's like, if it can't do most things, like most, like 90% of them when you're trying to talk to it, then it becomes so unreliable to ask it to do anything that you, that just, you just don't. don't. I mean, like literally you, you the thing I wanted into your, your process. Yeah, the thing it's I more to do, costly like, to ask it and then go do it manually. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one thing I've wanted from one of these fucking things is like, especially when Bard came out, I went and tested it because I was like, oh, I can have it. Look at this email I just got. That is one of my family members sending me a flight reservation. And just make me 
So Google Calendar events for their arrival here. Like that's a very annoying thing to like go. You got to go dig into this airplane thing. Find well, Gmail actually but already has that. Only kind of, at least so far as I've experienced. I don't know. It's, maybe I'm not. It's generally worked for me, but I don't know if there's also like airline specificity. It's also a thing you do have to enable. Um, okay. So maybe, so maybe yeah, there's, there maybe there's a thing I'm missing already, but like yeah, I asked, that, I asked yeah, Barb to do it. Cause I was like, you should be, you could read this, you know how to, and you're supposed to be able to interact with my stuff. And it was like, I can't read your email. And I was like, okay. Uh, it's like, come on, Bart. We all know you've already read all of my emails. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. You, like, did you read were all born them. from my emails. Yeah, so then I copied, yeah, I copied the text of it and I just pasted it in. I was like, all right, can you make me a calendar? Event? And it's like, I can't use your calendar. And I was like, what? I was told you could do stuff with my stuff. And it was like, I can, I can read your Google docs. And I was like that. Honestly, about the most useless thing that I could do. <laughs> having Bart, like get it together, man. Having worked with because this is also this is like this is a, this is an interesting technical problem. So authentication is one of the fucking most annoying and hardest mm. problems in in tech, especially web tech, because everything has to go through an authentication layer so you can talk to the internet, right? It's like how and, you know how you have to do two factor authentication every time you want to do something. Your yeah. poor web applications are just doing that also themselves all the time. Yeah. Okay? And Everyone's so there's, annoyed. and there's this approach. To, so, so basically, cause Google actually just has a whole bunch of independent products that they kind of jam together and Microsoft is the same deal, right? Yeah. Like, uh, Microsoft though, because they don't really, they have a cobbled together, like login thing where they basically like by the things that actually happens when you log into something is that it, you start where you're trying to go and then it takes you to some other place. And then like, and then it is, it, it's called a token exchange, right? Where it basically like completes one authentication. It's like, oh, I'm not there yet. Goes to another thing, uses the thing that it just did to complete the next authentication, right? And I know this because I have to do it for Xbox sign-ins mm-hmm. and Rumpus. Mm-hmm. And I have, to, I have to literally do three token exchanges when you try to sign in to get to your fucking Xbox information. Right? <laughs> yeah. and, and Google, at least, like that's a little bit better, but it's still the same deal where it's like they have all these products that are all kind of stuck together and – and they don't talk to each other. They don't live in the same servers, right? They don't have the same like ways of talking to them. They're actually completely fully separate entities, right? And when you're trying to talk to them, you have to separately like manage authentication into each one to actually be able to do it. And, th- and that's for some good reasons. Like you don't want to just give blanket permissions to everything because you want somebody to have permission for one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that makes sense. Also but when you're also- building stuff, you know, you don't want to have to keep in mind to have, I don't know, the infrastructure of something else that was built 10 yeah, years Yeah, exactly. Ago. Like there's a lot of reasons why this makes sense, right? But it, it makes something like this where you're then saying like, okay, I want something that has, that does have access to everything. the right information, yeah. right? And can like, and can get all of it and can use it and kind of like mix it all together somehow. It makes that extremely challenging. Um, mm-hmm. But again, on the other hand, it's fucking Google. They have literally 100,000 engineers. My take on this uh, is, again, to your point, it's just weird because it's like, again, a kind of bad chat GPT, but that was in my stuff would be fucking amazing. Yeah. So just give me that, Google. You can and go also, laterally. We don't need and to also go. knowing that it'll improve over time. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Know, like I would, I would play with it. Like, so like Notion has the, has this and they're, they're kind yeah, of rolling this out, cool which stuff. is Notion, right? Like, up until now, they've had this like sort of com- completion-based AI where you can ask it to write stuff for you or summarize things or, you know, like look at specific documents. Um, but for example, like what we use Notion for in our organization is vast accumulation of documentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, post Whatever it is we got going on in the studio. Thoughts, whatever. Yeah, like yeah, put quarterly reviews, postmortems, uh, game ideas, story Bibles, Project whatever, whatever. Sheets, whatever, yeah. Yeah. So it's all there in Notion, and sometimes you'll be like, "Oh, I want to, I want to find this thing," and you'll do a search, and you're like, "No, nah, I don't. I, maybe I'll try this." Yeah, you you kind of like, it's the keyword-based search problem, right? Which is yeah. if you have to already. And it's like so when I make a Notion document, I'll often add a, a thing Tags. at the top that just says keywords, and then just some words that I know. Just I a bunch of words. Trying to use <laughs> to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, if somebody, if somebody want, if somebody knows what they're searching. Uh, for like if they know about the thing, but they don't know the exact language used in the thing or, or you know, like let's say I wanted to figure out something about our deployment pipeline, mm-hmm. you know, well, we called the game pipe. But if you didn't know that term or if you then, thought there was a space between game and pipe. Yeah. yeah or maybe forbid. you just misspelled it or, or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, then, you know, h- how do you how do you find it? Well, you just you just start digging. Right. Well, so Notion is adding uh-huh. in basically a crawler AI that like. 
you can just ask it stuff. You could be like, oh, mm -hmm. can you summarize how our deployment pipeline works? And it'd yeah. be like, sure. And then it'll, it'll look through all of your Notion stuff in your workspace. Which actually brings us back to the permissions problem again, right? Which is how do they handle the fact? Because like, let's, let's say our quarterly review discussions, right? We like those we have in a sort of a private subsection of our Notion that the three of us have access to because mm -hmm. uh, we want to make sure that employees don't see each other's stuff, right? We don't, we don't like do weird stuff and say weird things. We're not talking employees. shit about people. Yeah, but we don't, <laughs> we don't want employees to be, to have like their personal information revealed to each other. Right. So, so we keep that stuff, you know, separated out. And that's true for all kinds of stuff. Cause we also follow the principle of least privilege, which is if somebody mm -hmm. doesn't need access to something, they just shouldn't have it because all access creates risk. Right. So if I go and make a search now, uh, as yep. an admin, like, does it only search like things that you can see? Or? Yeah, does it only search does things it, that I can oh, see? Because if it only yeah. searches things that I can see, yeah. does that mean – because now because now if you imagine like on the other side of that, if you're Notion trying to build a way to model this stuff, right, then you have to make sure that your model can take into account permissions, right? It would have to, yeah. From the jump. Yeah. It would be like, give jump. me all the pages that this person can actually see. And, yeah. and then, so you have to basically like, you have to basically create and like an on the fly kind of like mini model. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and like, so I don't, you know, I don't, I don't it's envy. A big challenge. Yeah. For, and this is like with, with information problems is that, is that access is just one of the, it's like access and how the data then exists once you like get it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like those two parts of the problem are why integration with AI things, really anything is just so fucking hard. Um, yeah. But you know, we're, we're getting there. But, uh, you know, come on, Google, just be honest. What is this? What, what is, is this shit? Just tell us what you got. Tell us what you've got and we'll use it if it's good. If it's not, we won't. And again, yeah, it's, like, you know, it's okay to, <laughs> to have a worse thing. But also, it, you know? yeah, it always feels to me like it's the, it's the classic business problem, which is that competing head to head is just, it has never been a good idea. It's never been a good strategy. So I'm just always confused. When you see an entity that has so many options available, this isn't like a startup that can only do AI. This is like they already got so many things. Then competing, yeah. competing on benchmarks. I don't care about benchmarks. Yeah. Can it? Yeah. How read can my I use emails? it? <laughs> <laughs> can, it, can it touch my calendar? ChatGPT still can't. Like, or you know, I guess you have to do a bunch of plugins and stuff. Like through a separate. Like it's a separate. It's a whole other. Yeah, Google yeah, needs I was, to pull a Nintendo Switch. They need to be like, okay, uh, Xbox PlayStation, you're like, yeah, but we have 37 FPS yep. at 4K. Yep. You know, uh, Switch is over here like, yeah, but ours go, you could take it on an airplane. Yeah, can you do that? <laughs> just, just a whole other No matter FPS will get you on a fucking airplane, yeah. Xbox. You know, yeah, no matter how strong the Xbox is, yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't have that feature, right? Yeah. It's like Google needs to just do that right? and they'll be fine, so... Anyways, that's all the time we have uh, mm -hmm. for this. We actually are recording uh, the next episode immediately after Let's this. Go. So we'll just roll right into it. So uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DeCosta, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the podcast archives. And as always, if you haven't yet, head on over to Steam and give Crashlands 2 a wish list. It'll help boost the game uh, in the discovery section of Steam, and it helps us uh, get that exposure. So we'd appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.